might not hear all of you, but hi, Heather. <laughs> we love and miss you. <laughs> um, so we're actually going to continue on prayer because last week I felt like I was rushing through to talk about prayer and being that it's a pillar of the church global and should be a pillar here, pillar in our lives. I really think that we want uh, we should talk about it more and um, I'm going to give some very specific challenges for this week um, that I believe the Lord gave to me for us as a community. So we'll write those down at the end, but I wanted to highlight a couple of things. I've been personally thinking about this a lot. Last Sunday was so funny. Kayla texted me this screenshot of something she saw on Facebook uh, from somebody, and it literally was some some parts of it were word for word what I had preached about that morning. And she goes, did you copy so-and-so? Um, or did you copy this guy? And I, I didn't notice who it was. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. He probably listened to my sermon. But it ended up being some famous preacher guy that, not sing actually worship leader, but he literally was saying the same things. Like, so everyone wants the power ministry of Jesus. Who wants the prayer ministry? All of us say we want to be like Jesus. But what does that mean? The disciples didn't ask to do, how do we do signs and wonders? They said, teach us how to pray. So, so it was really kind of uh, cool that, and confirming right now that this is something that God, that his spirit is highlighting because it's important. It's very important. And so when, when God or his spirit highlights something to us, we want to pay attention to it. We don't want to rush through it or because we have a lot of things to talk about. We want to pay attention and allow it to penetrate us and change the way that we live. And I'm not saying that we're all going to wake up at three in the morning from now on and pray for three hours before we start our day, though. And I'm going to repent publicly. This past week, I woke up at three, two different mornings. The first time I didn't even think of it. I'm like, oh, wow, it's three. Went right back to bed. <laughs> the next day I woke up at like 3.15 and then was got up, went to the bathroom, came back to bed, and I'm lying there and I'm like, oh, I just preached on this. <laughs> and I went back to bed. Ooh, it's like yucky to even acknowledge that I did that because the Lord woke me up and here I am preaching about it saying we should be willing and I'm not even willing. So this is, you know, that was a convicting part to me that I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm weak. I want to be willing, like actually willing, <laughs> not just in words, but in actions that if I wake up at three o'clock, like awake, that I would be alert and say, I'm going to pray. You know, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's an hour, you know, we don't have to be legalistic with it either. If you wake up and pray for five minutes, I would say victory, <laughs> you know, for any of us. But anyway, we're going to just start looking at some examples in the Bible of prayer because it's all throughout. So if you have your Bible, Daniel 6. And so um, <laughs> Daniel's a, a crazy guy. I mean, I was just skimming through. We know so many stories from the book of Daniel, like Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Yeah, Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah, so 
what happened was the book of Daniel starts out and this king Nebuchadnezzar is looking for men of choice character and with gifting to come be part of his his special crew of um, insightful, wise people. And Daniel goes and he says, I'm not going to eat any of the choice food that the king is giving to us. I'm going to only eat vegetables and water. That's how we came up with the Daniel fast. But people do vegetables and fruit usually. Daniel didn't do anything that tasted good. It was they assumed it was vegetables and water. And they said, you'll grow weak. You need to do this. And Daniel said, look at me for a week and I'll show you that I won't. I'm going to prove to you. And he was fat. It says he was fatter than all the other men by the end of the week on vegetables and water. That, you know, that's a miracle. That's a sign and a wonder that doesn't happen. Right. When most of us, if we're on veggies and water, we'll drop, shed the pounds. Well, Daniel bulked up. Right. And that was a sign and a wonder that he was obeying God despite what they were telling him. And he was favored because of it. He was chosen in um, to be part of the king's court. He was given wisdom from God, dream interpretation. You know, so you see all of this happening. Um, it comes to a point where there's another guy in power now. Nebuchadnezzar is no longer there. He's passed away after Nebuchadnezzar was his son. His son got taken out by the Lord because of pride. And this is also a book about how God humbles the proud. It's pretty intense, some scriptures in here. Then we arrive at Daniel chapter 6. And so Daniel's been in the king's court for all of these kings that have passed through and has been highlighted and favored by God through it all, through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. He comes to King Darius, and Darius um, appoints 120 people over the kingdom, and they were in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them were three commissioners. This is verse 2. And Daniel was one of those three commissioners. So again, 120 very special people. There are three even higher, and Daniel's one of the three. He, he gets elevated to this high position, again, from the Lord. Because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Now, that's an incredible piece as well. Daniel's carrying an extraordinary spirit, which is what? The spirit of the living God. And the, the natural non-Christian kings and authorities of the day said, you have an extraordinary spirit. I'm planning to put you over the entire kingdom. Wow, because of the spirit of God. It wasn't because of Daniel or anything he was. The spirit of God. So they... The other commissioners, the other commissioners and satraps, which were part of that bigger group of 120, got angry. They're jealous, right? They w they're against Daniel, so they're saying, how can we get him to fall? How can we trap him? And you know what? They looked and looked and looked, and they could not find anything wrong with him. So they said, we're going to have to devise something and trap him in his religion, that's what their plan was because he was so, he walked so uprightly. He did not do anything wrong according to the law. They couldn't catch him on anything. So they said, we're going to have to catch him in his religion, in his worship to his God. Um, so that was in verse 5. It says, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him in with regard to the law of his God. 
The commissioners and the satraps came to agreement. They went to the king, spoke to him. King Darius lived forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials, the governors, have all consulted together that the king should establish a law and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. So anyone who, do, who makes a request to their god or to man before they request you should be put in the lion's den. So the king signs the document. It's a pretty wild thing, but he did it. And Daniel, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, this is verse 10 of chapter 6, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had a window open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So Daniel... This is like a, such a key thing about his life. We come to know he has developed a lifestyle of prayer before God. And he didn't do it just hidden in his room. He went to the window to a, a nation that was not so that were serving many other gods. And he was making a statement. I am praying. I'm getting on my knees, humbling myself before the God who is above every other God. The moment he finds out this law has been passed, he goes to do the same. Now, that could seem pretty rebellious, right? But he was not concerned about what other people thought. He didn't care what danger came. He was not afraid. Nothing was going to take his prayer life away. Now, think of that commitment to prayer. Oftentimes, Easily, my commitment to prayer is taken away because of distractions of my everyday life. It's not even like my life is being threatened, but just the natural things that come in and out steal from my prayer life. And Daniel had such a commitment to his prayer life, to his relationship, communing with God and giving thanks to God daily. Three times every day, he would make a point to stop what he was doing. Now, I also want to highlight Daniel was an authority over an entire nation. He's a busy guy. He's not someone who's just hanging out, has nothing to do, no job to go to, and he's just choosing to pray three times a day. No, he's running a kingdom. He has a lot of stuff to do, and yet he still took three times a day to pull away, go into his house, go by his window, kneel down, petition God, and give thanks to God. So there's a principle here that he recognized he needed God more than anything else, that he would not have his position if he didn't have his position in prayer. He would not have his position and authority if he didn't have his position before God in prayer. So then the men find Daniel making petition and supplication before God, Verse 12, they approached the king and says, didn't you sign this and make that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you for 30 days is to be cast in the lion's den? The king said the statement is true according to the law, which it may not be revoked. They answered and spoke to the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles, pays no attention to you, O king. 
but keeps making his petition three times a day. As soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed. He loved Daniel. He, th- he was a friend of Daniel. He was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. Even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. The problem was when he had signed a decree, the law back then, he could not revoke it. There was no way he could save Daniel because he had signed this law. So he was trying from the moment he found out to the moment the sun set. He was trying to deliver Daniel, but nothing could be done. So he gave orders that Daniel be brought into the lion's den. The king spoke to Daniel as he's being thrown into the lion's den. He says, verse 16, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. What a powerful example Daniel's life had been in his life of prayer that a king that did not serve God said, I recognize your God's going to save you himself. He's wow. What what an acknowledgement. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own ring so that nothing would be changed. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought before him and his sleep fled from him. He didn't sleep at night. He had no entertainment. He fasted for Daniel's deliverance. A king who was not even a Christian, who didn't believe in God. Well, he believed in God, obviously, but he was not himself submitted to God. Um, When he had come to, in the morning, at the break of day, the king runs to the lion's den. When he had come near to the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel's voice yells back, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They have not harmed me. I was found innocent before him, and so also I'm innocent toward you. O king, I've committed no crime. The king was very pleased, gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. No injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders and brought all those men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He threw them and their entire families into the den. And as before the stone was even covered, they were destroyed. Now that's pretty intense. I debated even reading that part. But that's a part of the story. Now think spiritually. We're going to talk about this spiritually. Our enemies are not people, right? We, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces and principalities in heavenly places. So when I look at this, I think of the Lord throwing our enemies into the line, our spiritual enemies, the demonic realm, into the lion's head to be shred by the lion. Who's the lion? The lion of the tribe of Judah who crushes our enemies underneath our feet. That's what the Lord does to us. We're safe in his presence and he crushes our enemies. But the reason why that Daniel could go there, he had a lifestyle of prayer. His commitment to prayer was higher than any other commitment. He made a point every day to pray. Um, It sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus had a very 
high commitment to prayer. And Jesus regularly pulled himself away to pray, to receive instruction, to build his relationship. Something cool about Daniel, too, is also is that it says that he made petition with many thanks. So he's requesting, he's requesting, and he's thanking God at the same time. In the New Testament, so many times when they say, make your request to God with thanksgiving, it's a principle. It's constantly said, petition God and thank him as, like, as if you've received it. God, I'm asking you for this. Thank you that you're doing it. So we're, we're constantly stepping into this place of faith of God, thank you that you hear me. God, thank you that you're answering. God, thank you that you are moving right now on my behalf. Right now, thank you, because you're big enough. You're great enough. So we're asking, and then we're reminding ourselves of who he is. And Daniel did the same thing. He went to his window, petitioning, declaring, and then thanking God. God, you're great. You're wonderful. You're worthy of praise. And this is, needs to be a New Testament. When we look at the New Testament reality of this, there's so much. First, Jesus giving instruction on prayer. In Matthew 18, verses 19 and, and 20, he's teaching on prayer, and he says, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, and we've heard this scripture a lot, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So now he's bringing it to this New Testament reality. Then Daniel was by himself in a room praying. Now we each need to develop our personal prayer life and commitment to prayer. Personal. Me and God relationship. I'm talking to him. I'm petitioning. I'm thinking. There's a corporate reality where there's two or more gathered in his name in agreement on anything it shall be done in the Father's name and for his glory. And that there, so there's two realities here. We need to be developing it personally and then corporately, understanding the principle that when two of us or more, two or more, I mean, we have so many people here in comparison to just two people. We're a huge multitude of people that if we were to agree together on anything, and in 1 John I mean, five verses 14 through 15, it says, according to his will, it will be done. How do we know what's according to God's will? The word of God. This is truth. This is revealing his heart. This is revealing his nature. That's why prayer and the word go together hand in hand. We come to know him. We come to know his heart, his character, his ways. And then we come to know him. And then we pray according to his will. We come together in agreement. Like, do we believe? How do we know that healing is the will of God? How do we know that salvation is the will of God? How can we pray confidently for breakthrough for somebody from drug addiction, it's the will of God, right? We know his heart. He desires people to come into freedom. We know that how from his word. We know that he has said the truth will set you free. 
that he desires freedom, that if people are caught in sin, that he wants to free them. He wants to break chains. He wants to set captives free. So when we come together and we say, God, heal Terry, it's according to his will and it will be done. We have confidence that he hears us and that it's going to happen. If we're praying salvation for somebody, God, encounter my brother right now, touch his life, and there's agreement, it's going to happen. I know that we're in agreement for his salvation. It's according to the will of God, and then I praise him, God, you're going to do it. Thank you. Thank you that you hear. Thank you that salvation belongs to the Lord. Thank you that it will come to pass I can trust you and just like we had talked about the other week about Matthew 11 right do not be offended when it doesn't look the way you want it to look so I've been praying for a couple of my brothers for a long time my family has been praying for a long time we've prayed for Terry for a long time maybe there's things that you've prayed about in your life for a long time and the process unto the answer has seemed a lot different to you than what you thought. So Daniel maybe didn't think a lion's den was in his process. <laughs> that might not seem like the Lord, right? But it was God allowing a situation to show up in power, to demonstrate his glory. Sometimes the situation could look very dim, very dreary. It's in those dark moments that God shines brilliantly so that the world can see that he's all-powerful, that no kingdom in this earth can overcome the power of God. He is the highest authority. And the more we have revelation of that, the more we're going to pray. You will know when you have revelation of the power and authority of God and your position in him with how much you pray. Because if you pray very little, it's probably because you haven't received revelation that he's actually going to answer when you start to pray and you see God answering, you see his faithfulness, you see how great he is and how awesome he can do things, you're going to pray more and more and more and more understanding principles of prayer. I remember a good friend of mine, you've met him, he came here once, Will. He, we were best friends growing up since little. He's Tommy's closest friend now. I don't know if you remember, he was here for one of those morning sessions with Orphan Mentality. He came with his son, Malachi. So we grew up in the same church together. At one point, he totally walked away from the Lord. It's part of his testimony. And I remember being like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, come back to God. What are you doing? And I would talk to him. He ended up cutting me off completely. He wouldn't text me. He wouldn't call me. We lost friendship because he didn't want to hear me constantly saying, wake up, get back, like, what are you doing? You're wasting time. So I committed to praying for him for years, and it seemed to get worse and worse and worse, right? And I'm like, what the heck is my prayers, are my prayers making things worse? But really, my prayers, I think, were pushing the enemy's buttons, and so he was really retaliating for a time, but he can only retaliate for so much until the Lord goes squash and so what happened was one day I was home from New York when I, I was working at the ministry. I came home, went to my sister's house church. I walk in, I'm hanging out, and all of a sudden, Will walks in. And I'm like, 
what are you doing here? And he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, no, no, what are you doing here? This is a church. Like, this is about to have church here. Like, you don't go to church. And he goes, Wesley. And he just started crying. Oh, oh my gosh. God just encountered me this past weekend in my car. I was doing not good things. And Jesus spoke to me. He got hold of me. And I need to get right on track. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I'm here this weekend. You got to join this uh, there was this internship that I knew about that our church back home, at, um, they, before they were a church, they were just a, it's called Youth Storm, an internship. I said, I'll get you into the internship. We hung out that weekend, got him into the internship. He left everything, cut off all his relationships with his um, friends that were not good influences. There were ups and downs in that, but now he has a family. He's a worship leader. He loves the Lord. He's going deeper and deeper. And the moment that that prayer was answered, I had been praying for years at that point. The longer you pray, the sweeter and more rejoicing comes when the answer comes. You know, if you pray for one day and the next day the answer comes, there's a lot of rejoicing. Woohoo! God answered. That's awesome. Like the few times we prayed for Terry and she was healed. The, mo the thing changed. But Think about it when you've been praying for years for something, years, and you've dedicated life years to praying for something. The moment it happens, it is like the sweet, like someone getting saved or say Terry's body fully healing someday. Imagine the day when she walks in like healed and returned to the Lord. What kind of rejoicing that's going to be because of the time invested in prayer, the the all that we've poured into we can't be discouraged we have to learn not to be discouraged when it doesn't always look like how we want it because the end result is going to be something amazing with the lord he always does incredible things i'm going to read one last passage acts 16 verses 22 through 30 and this is when Paul and Silas are imprisoned, if you remember this. The crowd rises up against Paul and Silas. They, the chief, so they just preached the gospel, and people were really mad at them, especially the authorities. Sounds like Daniel, right? Yeah, Acts 16, verse 22. Daniel had just obeyed the Lord and had been praying. Paul and Silas had just preached the gospel, and the leaders of the day were tearing their robes and they ordered them to be beaten with rods, struck them with many blows, threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were all listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. This is not a fairy tale. This legitimately happened. They get thrown into the jail for preaching the gospel. They get thrown into the inner cell. They've been beaten with rods kicked and abused this is not like some little beating they're probably messed up and they're sitting there with their feet in chains and what do they do they pray and they worship
worship God and all the other prisoners are listening. Do you think God had a purpose in that? How were those prisoners going to be reached? Well, let me throw two of my men in there with them. And when they're in there, they're going to realize that it's not, oh, woe is me, I'm in this prison cell. No, it's praise the living God. Now, that's a different type of attitude that we should be carrying. We're in a prison, and we're saying praise the one from whom all blessings flow. Thank you, Jesus. We're praying. Release your kingdom in the earth. Build your church. And all of a sudden, there's an earthquake. And everybody's chains are broken. Think about that even spiritually. That's what naturally happened. When we allow ourselves to go into a prison and get for the gospel, when we get accused because of the gospel, when we, when we get uh, yeah, spoken badly about, right, like it says in Matthew, because of the gospel, and others, when we praise God in that situation and we pray, other people get set free. Every, the jailer was about to commit suicide because he's like, I'm, they're going to kill me. They are about to kill me. And Paul stands up and he goes, wait, don't harm yourself. We're all here. He didn't even run out of the jail. You might have thought that moment like, God's setting us free. Everybody run. No, he said, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. And the jailer's entire family gets saved. Because they prayed and because they worshipped, these guys were not just about, like, the signs and wonders. They were about communion with the Father, and it came through prayer and worship. And where is our dedication to prayer and worship in the midst of the process in the midst of our situation, are we dedicated to commit ourselves to petitioning God and then thanking him for the answer Two, agreeing together two or more and seeing God answer and move? How committed, how dedicated are we to that process? It's a, I was reminded of Joseph, right? Joseph had a promise from God and that promise he received in a dream, and what happened before that promise took place? He was sold into slavery by his brothers who almost tried to kill him. Is that not trauma or what? You're all your brothers attack you, about to kill you, you get saved as a slave, sold as a slave. You're falsely accused when God brings you out of slavery, puts you in position, falsely accused, gets you prison, imprisoned, you're forgotten about, imprisoned. That's a lot of bad stuff, a lot of bad stuff. And yet he was patient in the process, continually serving the Lord even in the prison, serving the Lord as a slave, serving God despite his situation, praying and worshiping. I, I think it's kind of intense because even in the good times, we don't pray. And these guys were so committed to prayer that when the bad times ca came, they were they just kept going they kept going with uh what they knew we when we pray we must not grow weary or disappointed when we don't see immediate change remind yourself of god who he is and his word that's why prayer must be coupled with the word so we're praying according to his heart and will and truth and not just what we want or desire 
big difference. We're going to pray according to the desires of his heart and knowing that they will be done so that we don't get discouraged when there's a delay because there are many times when there's a delay and that can be the most difficult part. Prayer must be coupled with thanksgiving, worship, and even fasting sometimes. Fasting uh, to obtain the shift that we're looking for. Do you remember when they tried to cast out the demons and Jesus said this one only comes out with fasting and praying? There's only There are certain situations that come, the breakthrough comes only through fasting and praying. These are spiritual disciplines that should be naturally parts of our lives. When they were starting the churches in Acts, when the church was being formed, in Acts 13, it says they were gathered, the, all the leaders of the church were gathered together, fasting and praying and worshiping, just because there was not any reason. That was just part of the culture. That was part of the church. What it meant to be the church was gather together, pray, worship, fast. They didn't know other things. What happened when that happened? The Holy Spirit said, Paul, Barnabas, go out. I'm, I'm sending you out from here to go start churches, to go plant churches. Then they prayed and fasted again, laid hands on them and sent them out. This is like a natural part of being the church. If we don't have a prayer life ourselves and we're not praying corporately together, we're missing a foundational piece of what it means to be children of God and to govern in the earth. So uh, here are some challenges this week. We're going to end today. I want to just us all to gather together and we're going to pray as a church because I think that's extremely important. I know that we take times when we're worshiping. There's times we pray during worship, but we I want it to be even more a part of what we do. And so let's pray about that this week. How can we make that more a part, whether we have a pre-service prayer at 1015 for anybody that wants to come and we pray or something. Uh, we, we need to have corporate prayer together. And if we're all here, what a better time to do it, right? So we're going to take the last few minutes together to do that. But here's some challenges that I believe the Lord gave me for us this week. Um, I want everybody to choose someone to pray for this week and pray daily for them. Someone that's outside your household. That's what I felt like. It should be outside your household. So I'm not going to pray for Tommy, you know, every day this week. That'd be easy for me. I like praying for Tommy. I'm going to pick somebody outside my household. I think I know already who I'm going to choose. Um, Pray daily for them specific prayers. What do you want to see? What do you want God to do in them? And start looking for those things. Um, and then, oh gosh. Oh, yeah. Now, this I thought was pray with your family or your household at least one time this week. Now, if you already do that as a family, so say you guys with Heather and with Beth and with Lily or whatever, if you guys already do that once a week, try for two. Uh, the point is to stretch us in our prayer life. So Jane Marie, one time this week, or if you already do that, try to do it another time. We're going to pray as a household together. So me, Tommy, Barry, you know, at least one time this week, getting together and praying. And we do that Monday nights anyway, but praying just as a household, you know, f together. 
um, to cultivate, that's the whole point, is to cultivate an attitude and an atmosphere of prayer in our homes. And then the third challenge is pray the word, pray scripture. Um, do you realize that the Bible is not allowed in a lot of countries? The reason why that is, obviously, is because it's power. And because we're so used to being allowed to have it, we neglect it. People in other countries that aren't allowed it, they crave a page of the Bible. Imagine getting like a page from Numbers and trying to read that, but it, they crave it. They read it over and over and over and over again because it's the word of God. It feeds them. So we need to pray the word. Start wetting your appetite for the truth, for this bread that is life. Um, and so sometimes what I'll do is like I'll look into Psalms or something like that, because Psalms, David's praying a lot in the Psalms, so I'll take a Psalm, and I'll pray through it as well, just like one he would do, um, or if you pray, see a, a promise of God in scripture, like salvation for your home, begin to pray that scripture over your home, does that make sense? So the three challenges, choose someone to pray for daily this week, that's your personal prayer time with the Lord. Remember, prayer with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> thanksgiving. Um, second one, pray with your family household at least once this week. And then pray the word. In both those contexts, pray the word. Um, and we're going to just take the last five minutes here now. I want us to just gather together, get in a like huddle here, and we're going to just pray. Um, to put into practice what we're learning. We want to cultivate it more and more and more. Amen?